Hi, I'm Kira from Katona, New York. The Sound of Young America is an independent production supported by listeners like you and me. If you'd like to donate to support the show, visit MaximumFun.org and click on Donate. It's the Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org and PRI, Public Radio International. My next guest at our live show in Philadelphia was the Philadelphia cartoonist and illustrator Charles Burns. You might know his work from uh, covers of The New Yorker or Altoids advertisements or from his many comic books, uh, which are iconic in the field. He was an early contributor to the seminal comics compilation Raw. You might even remember his work from Coca-Cola's failed super hip cola line, OK Cola. His graphic style is a distinct mix of 1950s horror genre comics and a contemporary ultra-clean aesthetic. And of course, he's a Philadelphian. So let's get to the stage of the Philadelphia Improv Theater and my conversation with cartoonist and comics artist Charles Burns. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you for being here. So I want to ask you, this is like a very strangely specific question to start off with, but I want to ask you about your lines because there's a a particular type of line that shows up in in almost every one of your works that I've seen. It's so distinctive that, um, you know, I'm not a king of the comics world, but I could (laughs) recognize one of your... You'll be surprised to learn. <laughs> um, I know you voted for me, but um, it, but it's it's a line that's almost like uh, 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 the fiber of a feather or uh, the tooth of a comb, um, a kind of sharp ridge, like uh, what? Wow, what a good description! But <laughs> keep going. <laughs> that's 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 really all I've got. So the question is. <laughs> Why do you why do you use that line that form so much? I well originally some of the very early comics that I looked at and grew up with were um, from the forties and fifties, and they used a, a very specific sort of uh, well like a, they used a brush to make a, a line. So I think that I started out emulating that, just like liking that very nice tapered line, strong look to it, and I just think I took it to an extreme. Let's talk about those comics you read as a kid. I, I was at an estate sale a couple of weeks ago. I bought my wife some uh, marriage-related comic books. Um, that makes, that's good. From, good the, from the early 50s. Right. Um, and when I, was reading, when I was reading some of the big baby stories yesterday on the airplane, um, I, was, I was reminded of them, these sort of stories about uh, teenagers in love, and, um, and, the, and I was fascinated by how you had subverted them. But... You know, you mentioned reading these comic books from the 1940s and 50s, but sure. you're, you're saying in front of me right now, you're not a 60-year-old man. I'm, I feel like it, but no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm moving, moving in that direction. So you, you, were, you weren't born until the 50s, so, so how, did, how did you get your hands on these comics, and how did they become so important to you? Um, well, my, my, my father was one of those rare... He, he actually liked comics. This was like during the 50s when comics were really looked at as being these really kind of evil things that were destroying the minds of children. And he had, uh, he had a collection of uh, paperbacks that, that, uh, that reprinted early mad comics. Before there was Mad Magazine, there was uh, Harvey Kurtzman who wrote uh, all these parodies of actual comics, of, of things like Mickey Mouse, uh, 
um, popular TV shows. Uh, so I had these black and white. I, I wasn't supposed to be looking at them, I don't think, but I walked into my dad's office and found these great reprints of uh, Mad Comics. So, I mean, that, that had a tremendous effect on me. Th- those were things that were, you know, made before I was born. So I think it seeped, that, that kind of seeped into my consciousness early on. What did you like about the Mad Magazine specifically? Was it aesthetic or, or was it about the perspective? Well, there were, there were the comics that I just mentioned, and then they, it turned into a magazine later. Uh, and I kind of grew up on the magazine as well. Uh, I guess what I liked, for me, it, when I was young, it, it was a little bit over my head. For example, it was, it was, there would be movie, I don't know, parodies of movies that, that were adult movies that I would never go see or I'd never understand. But, so it always felt like something that was a little bit kind of taking a look into this adult world that you really didn't understand very well. So that was enticing, I think. And also just, uh, you know, it felt a little, it felt kind of adult to me. So I liked that there was a, kind of a, something forbidden about it, I, I guess. Did, did you have the idea that that was what you were going to do with your life at any point? I didn't have any, I didn't have any practical, I didn't have any real insight other than I was just attracted to comics. And, and, and that's, I was like the kid that could draw. So we moved around a lot when I was, when I was growing up and, uh, that was my defense mechanism. I was, you know, I was av- avoided getting my ass kicked uh, by drawing monsters for, you know, the bullies. Was it was it always monsters? I mean, there's so many monsters in your books. Well, I, that was popular during the during you know when I was in grade school in the, in the '60s. So monsters were popular, and it was a guy thing to draw anyway, I guess. So cars, I couldn't draw cars, so. Monsters is what I. I get. I guess the sixties was like a Big Daddy Roth was like yeah, drawing I mean, monster I, cars. Yeah, there's that. So you put those things together. Yeah, there were. Yeah, there was the. I don't know. The early sixties got a bunch of uh, television shows like the Munsters and the Adams Family, um, and they were also playing a lot of uh, old classic horror movies on TV. So I was just the right age to kind of enjoy all those things. You you were also uh, just the right age to get involved with Raw, which was the um, uh, comics anthology edited by uh, Art Spiegelman that um, introduced alternative comics to the you know nineteen eighties. Um, how did you get involved in that operation? It was I, I went to I went to um, when I was in school and college I was studying fine art, but I'd always do my comics on the side. It was something that I that I just kind of it was like I don't know. This two sides of my personality. I was like doing the fine arts and doing my own work on the side. Um, and by the time I was out of school, I was living in Philadelphia and going up to New York City to try to show my pathetic portfolio around. Um, and during that time, the first issue of Raw came out. And, and what drew me to it was, this, it was, first of all, it was like beautifully printed. It was oversized and had little you know booklets that were inserted into it. And it really kind of felt like the... Um, the kind of comics that I'd always envisioned myself doing, at least at that point, up to that point. Um, a lot of the early stories or pieces in, in Raw were less narrative. They were much more kind of focused on the art side of it. And I had just got out of art school, and it, and it had that feeling of some of the punk graphics that I had seen. Um, so, yeah, I was, you know, I, I was attracted to it. Um, and found myself up in New York uh, in the first issue of, of Raw. There was a little uh, blurb that said uh, they were interested in submissions. So I, uh, I actually went over and knocked on the door of Art Spiegelman uh, and a very uh, flustered, not flustered, very, uh, I don't know. Flustery? Flustery. No, he was, he was busy, that's all. He was, 
a busy Art Spiegelman answered the door and told me that I should send photocopies, which I did. And so after that, we met and discussed comics, and I got published. What were the themes that you found yourself returning to in, in those early comics? People slipping out of their skin is a theme that comes comes to mind. That, that that's happened quite a few times early on. I, I I remember doing an ad for Raw Magazine where you've got a a man that's uh, basically flayed and sitting in bed, and you see his uh, skin on a hanger next to him. Um, so that idea of slipping out of your skin or or transforming yourself that's that's a theme that seems to come back again and again. You you write sort of in and out of these genre tropes of romance comics and and horror comics. What, as an adult, do you like? Do you like about those comics? God, um, I like the look of them. I like the t- that time period. I just bought a, a stack of DC comics from the early nineteen sixties, and and they're all the stories are exactly the same. They're all they're like a you know, they're, they're seven or you know six or seven page stories, and there's slight variations, but there's something about this kind of repetition of these the same characters, the same quest for true love um that I, that's really kind of that 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 draws me in it seems like it makes you want to like twist it and torture it a little bit too a little bit i mean I, there, there's something i mean i do respect that kind of innocence and the fact that it is for this you know uh, it, it came out of a very specific time but yeah i do uh yeah i do reflect on that when i'm drawing my own my own work <laughs> you you also do uh you do illustrations in fact it it seems like Given that it took you ten years to write Black Hole, yeah, I always try to downplay that. But go ahead. Okay, so <laughs> I'm 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 guessing that, and, and that's not an extraordinarily unusual length of time to make a, a novel length comic book. It's a you know it's a complicated and labor intensive process. Um, you do other stuff, presumably to yeah. pay the rent. W- one of the things. Um, one of the things you do is do these illustrations in the Believer, which are uh, which are wonderful, and, and make the covers of the Believer. Um, Jordan Morris, my uh, co-host on Jordan Jesse Go, suggested that I ask you um, how you find new ways uh, to draw Nick Hornby every month. <laughs> I've only drawn him once, so, you know, unless I'm tracing him. No, I uh, I don't know. It was a, it was a it's a great job. It's fun to uh, I don't know. It's I've done like close to 70 covers. It's a lot. I, when they initially contacted me, I, my, I was assuming it would be to do a cover or an occasional cover, but then I was told that I was going to do every single cover of this magazine. So it's, it's, a pretty, uh, it's a pretty great job. Was that like a daunting prospect, the idea that you were responsible for the cover of a national magazine indefinitely? Uh, I didn't think of it that way. No, I mean, it's, it's actually... I mean, what's nice is that it's not... You're not necessarily coming up with new ideas every single month. You're doing portraits, so it's actually. I mean, it's, for me, it's kind of nice to kind of, I don't know, look at try try to find great ways of of drawing that many different people. There's only a few sort of forms like this. I mean, you could be like the guy who makes the stipple pictures for the <laughs> Wall Street Journal. I know him. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Um, what's the process like for 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 drawing a portrait of someone for for a magazine cover i presume they don't come in for a sitting no i mean in this case uh it's it's great that there's the internet i i really am just using photo references really directly so there's not uh, occasionally there's a there's a there's someone that they want me to draw that there's like one very blurry looking photograph that exists of this person so i have to use my imagination more but generally i'm looking at very specific uh 
photo references. Uh, occasionally, there's someone who's just not very beautiful or handsome, so I have to find a way that you do an accurate-looking portrait of somebody, but also not making them look like you know too grotesque. Are, are you? <laughs> Are you ever are you ever tempted to like add a pestilence to their face or like an eyeball alien directly behind them? I I, I have well no I haven't yet. I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> well, Charles, thank you so much for being here. It was such a joy to have you. Great, it's Charles nice Burns, ladies and gentlemen. Charles Burns is a cartoonist and comics artist from Philadelphia. His graphic novel Black Hole is available in hardcover from Pantheon Books. You can also find compilations of some of his comics work from Fantagraphics. Production of The Sound of Young America is underwritten in part by Ask Metafilter. Thousands of life's little questions answered online at ask.metafilter.com. Tour posters for our live shows in New York and Philadelphia were printed by VGKids.com, who have been screen printing shirts, posters, and more in Ypsilanti, Michigan for 10 years. Online at VGKids.com. Also, don't forget to check out the brand new Max Fun store at MaximumFun.org and to register for Max Fun Con 2010, happening May 7th through the 9th. Go to MaxFunCon.com.